You're listening to After All Things, WSHU's daily news and culture update from the Long Island Sound region. Disagreements on how to handle the migrant crisis are playing out in New York budget negotiations. Advocates in Connecticut want the state to spend more on its homelessness response. And Governor Lamont deems Connecticut the foodie capital of New England. Do you agree? Their stories and more are coming up. I'm Sabrina Garone. New York's migrant crisis has once again become a political issue between Democrats and Republicans. This time, it's playing out in state budget negotiations. Karen DeWitt has more. Governor Kathy Hochul is proposing spending $2.4 billion to help house and feed some of the over 160,000 migrants who have entered New York during the past year. But because the number of migrants and the expenses have only grown, I am proposing that we draw $500 million from state reserves that are intended for one-time emergencies like this. Hochul also wants to slow the rate of growth for funding school aid. She's proposing changing the way that the annual inflation rate is calculated and ending a provision called Hold Harmless that guarantees each school district never gets less money than it did the previous year. The governor says the migrant and school aid proposals are unrelated, but Republicans who are in the minority in state government see a connection. Senator Jack Martins, a Republican from Long Island, spoke at a news conference to support school funding, where he said schools in his Senate district face reductions. At a time when she's cutting education for our children, she's prioritizing spending $2.4 billion on a self-created migrant crisis. He blames policies begun by Democratic administrations and local governments, including designating New York City as a sanctuary city for immigrants. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt for the New York Public News Network. Ahead of the legislative session that begins tomorrow, Connecticut advocates say they want $20 million more from lawmakers for the state's homelessness response. WSHU's Davis Donovan has more. Advocates say there's a historically high number of homeless people in Connecticut. Sarah Fox is the CEO of the Connecticut Coalition to End Homelessness. She says about 800 people in the state are sleeping outdoors, according to estimates from January. Those are 800 people, their family members, who are outside in the cold. They're people in tents, in cars, children sleeping outside. (laughs) And that's not the Connecticut that I know. That doesn't include about 4,000 people currently using the state's homeless shelters. Advocates say rents have risen dramatically in Connecticut in recent years, making the issue worse. A 74-year-old unhoused woman living in her car died last month in Danbury. Davis Donovan, WSHU News. Prosecutors have handed over a heap of evidence to lawyers for the suspected Long Island serial killer Rex Hewerman. That includes almost 3,000 tips they got from the public. Suffolk County District Attorney Ray Tierney says the police began tracking the tips 13 years ago when the first victims were discovered along Ocean Parkway. About 2,944 tips that were in this case through January of this year. So we provided uh, the defense with uh, some substance of those tips. Prosecutors also handed over another three terabytes of data collected from Hewerman's devices and more than 2,500 pages of reports. Hewerman has pleaded not guilty to charges that he murdered four women whose remains were found near Gilgo Beach over a decade ago.
big Connecticut food event will come to Yale this week to support food entrepreneurs. More on a state effort to help food startups is coming up, but first a message from our supporter. Local support comes from Hartford HealthCare, the only health system in the Northeast, with all its hospitals receiving A grades for safety from the LeapFrog Group, the nation's leading independent safety watchdog group, hartfordhealthcare.org. Long Island Commission for Aquifer Protection has released its latest update on the state of the aquifer, the source of Long Island's drinking water. The report highlighted the importance of conservation and reusing water for agriculture, irrigation, for golf courses, and other recreational spots on Long Island. Jason Bell is the chairman of the commission. Water reuse coming from a, a wastewater plant, if it's for irrigation or something similar, would not have to be treated to the same level. So you, you, everything across the board would be cheaper. The report also focuses on tackling the presence of harmful chemicals in drinking water. Last year, Hopog, Garden City, and Hempstead reported higher levels of chemical contaminants, while Riverside, Setauket, and Plainview had some of the lowest. The U.S. Census Bureau estimates by the end of 2023, 69% of Connecticut residents were homeowners, which is higher than half of states. Home ownership has grown in the state for the fifth consecutive year, despite high mortgage rates. And over the last 18 months, the Connecticut Housing and Finance Authority has closed just over 3,000 loans under the state mortgage lender's new Time to Own Down Payment Assistance Program. More stolen vehicles on Long Island are being recovered, according to the New York State Department of Motor Vehicles. Of the 286 stolen vehicles recovered across the state, Long Island saw the second most vehicles recovered with 42. That's second only to New York City, which had 142 recovered. These vehicles mark a 50% increase of recoveries on Long Island and a 19% increase in recoveries across the state over the year before. This Friday, the Big Connecticut Food Event will come to Yale to support food entrepreneurs. It's part of a statewide effort to expand the profession, an effort that's proving to require a multi-pronged approach. WSHU's Ebong Udama spoke with the CT Mirror's Erica Phillips to discuss her article, CT Food Startups Have a Lot on Their Plates, But Relief is on the Way. It's part of the collaborative podcast, Long Story Short. Hello, Erica. What is the Big Connecticut Food Event? The Big Connecticut Food Event is this Friday, and it's it's sort of the next step in a lot of efforts around the state to help food entrepreneurs get their businesses going and, and scale their businesses up. And what's going to happen at the event, there's going to be a, some panels, there's going to be some one-on-one -on -one coaching for food entrepreneurs with various types of experts, and there's going to be a lot of uh, delicious food sampling. Now, uh, you start off by looking into example of uh, Kwame Asari. And could you just tell us his story and how he got uh, funding to get uh, his product to the yeah. next level? Yeah, absolutely. So Kwame is one of uh, several food entrepreneurs who I talked to for this story. He uh, is he was born in Ghana and on a trip 
back there with his father a few years ago, they kind of came up with this idea to start a, a family business kind of for their legacy and, and to help out the family to be kind of a, a support for, for their family. And they wanted to make what's known as shito or shito sauce, which is a, a very common savory, spicy relish in Ghana. It has, you know, distinctive West African flavors. And Kwame had a sense that, you know, the American condiment market is huge. And I think people would really like this and we need to kind of get in there and, and try our hand at selling this in the United States. So he did some research. He did a, um, they have a couple of these around the state, like a, an incubator program for, for food startups and food entrepreneurs. And during those programs, there's one in Hartford called Reset. There's one in uh, New Haven called City Seed. They kind of walk you through all, all, everything you need to know to start to market your product and, and to get yourself out there. They, they provide some seed money to get you to the next level. In some cases, yeah. And in some cases, it's a you learn sort of all these these basic startup things and then you have a pitch competition. And maybe in that pitch competition, you might be competing. Uh, you pitch your product and there are some judges there and you might be competing for a small amount of money, award money to, to help your business. So Kwame had a problem that's not unique to food entrepreneurs, which is his product was received very well in the market. Um, a lot of stores were interested in carrying it and he had to figure out how to get more of it made. For the startup, they were originally using a shared commercial kitchen. There are a few of these around the state that food entrepreneurs can use, you know, sign up for a chunk of time and make their product and can it and they're sharing that space with other companies. But once stores need, you know, pallets and pallets of your stuff, you've got to find a bigger manufacturing facility and you've got to outsource that part of the process. And so Kwame right now is struggling with finding the right fit, finding the right manufacturer who will take him on. And this is a that's one of, of, of a few challenges that food entrepreneurs in Connecticut face. So scaling up is, is always exactly, the issue. Exactly. Okay, now you say the Yale Center for Business and Environment is also involved in this. Uh, how, how exactly is it set up? Yeah, they're hosting the event. Uh, it's going to be at Yale. And they uh, originally partnered with um, CT Next, which is a quasi-public arm of Connecticut that funds sort of innovation and entrepreneurship. They got together uh, with a sort of food business support um, group called CT Food Launchpad. This was a couple of years ago and did uh, something called the Entrepreneur Innovation Awards. That was a successful event. They wanted to redo it and, and make the event itself bigger. And so this time around, it's, it's CT Food Launchpad, Yale, and uh, another group called Food and Bev Connect. So there's all kinds of, once I got into uh, learning about sort of the, what food startups are going through in Connecticut, I also learned about a bunch of support organizations and consultancies and groups that are out there to, to help folks um, in that position and wanting to get a food business off the ground. So there really is kind of a growing and healthy ecosystem here in Connecticut to support these entrepreneurs. Well, that's interesting because uh, I never thought of, of Connecticut as being an incubator for food startups. But, you know, uh, Pepperidge Farm started right here in Fairfield, Connecticut. Yeah, we've got a few, like, kind of big-name brands that uh, you don't always think about. You know, Bigelow Tea, Athletic Brewing Company, 
there, there are a number of pretty significant uh, food businesses that launched out of Connecticut. And, you know, it, it's, there's sort of efforts to, to make this more of a thing here. And, and you, also, you also found out that a lot of people got started during the pandemic. Right. So that was an interesting little, little detail I learned, which is that there are a lot of people out there, probably a lot of people listening to this, that, you know, they have a tried and true recipe that their friends love, that they've been making for years. And a lot of these folks during the pandemic, they had a little downtime and they said, I wonder, you know, if I should market this, uh, if I should start a business. And they toyed with some recipes. I mean, Kwame is, is among them. He and his uh, sister-in-law were working on their shitto sauce recipes during the pandemic and kind of nailing nailing that down um, and uh, several of the other businesses I talked to. So yeah, during the last few years, the number of kind of startup food brands in Connecticut, according to one of the folks who I talked to who kind of tracks these things, has almost tripled. So there's a lot of folks out there that are trying to get something going. So uh, this is the big food event is happening this coming Friday, right? It's this Friday. Yep. And okay. I guess if you look up big food event, Connecticut, <laughs> that'd be the way to find it. It's a little bit uh, straightforward, the name. So should be able to track it down. And uh, can anyone just show up and uh, taste some of this stuff? I believe you have to register. So I would uh, get out there, get online and check it out and see if you can sign up and get over to Yale on Friday. Okay. Thank you so much, Erica. Erica Phillips is the Connecticut Mirror's economic development reporter. I'm Ebong Udama. For the latest news from Long Island and Connecticut, you can listen on the radio or stream anytime with the WSHU app or on our website, WSHU.org. After All Things is supported by Hartford HealthCare. And like everything else you hear on WSHU, this podcast is also made possible with support from our listeners. So if you like what you hear, consider making a donation to our station or becoming a member. All the info on how to do that is there for you on our website. I'm Sabrina Garone. Talk to you tomorrow.